0: I want you to get your Bible out. We're going to study something today. It's going to be good. I believe you'll be blessed by it. I want you to open it to the book of Ephesians. Let's pray. Father, we just are so thankful. We're thankful, thankful, thankful for your goodness. Lord, we believe that we are your people. We are called by your name. We stand in covenant with Almighty God. We refuse to act or think like those who have no covenant with you. We refuse to fear like those who have no covenant with you. We refuse to get nervous like those who have no covenant with you. For we are your people and you are our God. Well, we pray that this morning you would open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to see, to hear, and to understand what we couldn't normally see, hear, or understand. Lord, that we would be changed this morning, empowered, renewed, invigored, that life would come to us as we read your word, as your Holy Spirit speaks to us. I ask you to speak through me, speak through your word, speak to the hearts of all of us today that we go out of here ready to just do whatever you've called us to do and do it with power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6. So you know by this point, if you know your Bible, that we're either talking about kids or, or war. Those two aren't that far apart. You may have thought, oh, it's an accident. Ephesians 5 is talking about marriage. Ephesians 6 is talking about kids. Then he says, put on the full armor of God. That's no accident. That all goes together real well. (laughs) Praise God. I'm still in the honeymoon stage, both my wife and my child, so you guys guys know about it. But Thank God we have the Holy Spirit. Thank God we've got his strength, his ability, his strength name. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to do our best not to read this in a very religious way. I don't mean I'm going to just take it out reading the message the whole time. We're going to read it in the American Standard, but we're going to read it as if maybe you read it for the first time. Don't read it just like, you know, sometimes we just get so used to reading certain scriptures, we gloss it over, or we... Bring it so much into the, to the super spiritual that it doesn't mean anything to us anymore. You ever done that? Made something so super spiritual that it no longer has any effect in your life. That you just think that maybe somebody will blow on me and this will all come true. Life is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Everything has a spiritual cause and a spiritual solution. But can I tell you? Your spiritual life isn't all and you just wandering around with your eyes closed, being blown from place to place. Your spiritual life isn't all, you know, you know, within you in the background, singing as you just kind of float through life. Your spiritual life is meant to be just like Jesus, very real, very tangible, and a part of your walking, a part of your talking, a part of your everyday waking up. Jesus didn't just live in some sort of cloud nine world that nobody could approach him. He, you know, he's he's always just in the upper room and, and nobody could even come in that room because they get knocked down. No, Jesus lived out the word of God, the will of God, and that spiritual stuff was very real. It's not just a theory. It's not just a hypothetical. It's not just a, well, you know, this, if you believe this, then, 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 you know, you can just kind of stay in a in a permanent trance most of your life. Jesus wasn't like that. He was the most spiritual man to ever walk the planet. And yet he was very real, very there, very effective and very powerful because he was a spiritual man. You've got to be spiritual people. You've got to approach things from a spiritual way. Don't approach things with a natural way. The problem is we get so super spiritual sometimes that we have our Sunday realities where in church we're all up, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then when it comes to real life, We start acting like the world because it's the only way we know how to act. But you've got to know that everything in this word, every spiritual thing that God's speaking to you is meant for real life. It's meant for real life, real application. It's meant for your job. It's meant for school. It's meant for your friends. It's meant for your family. If you can't put it to work Monday through Friday, it's it's not doing you any good. We can have all the great spiritual experiences at the altar or at the back or wherever in this this building. They won't do you any good if you're not willing to apply the word into your life. Make it real. Ephesians chapter 6 speaks of this. He says, in verse 10, he says, finally, in other words, we're going to wrap this letter up. Be strong in the Lord. That's, that, those are just some words that I'd love to say to every single person. Anytime they start to get down, anytime they start to get weary, you might need to say it to each other. You might need to look yourself in the mirror and say it to yourself. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong when you don't feel like being strong. Be strong when everybody around you is quitting. Be strong when you think you have an excuse to take a break. Be strong, but don't just be strong in your own strength. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. In the power of His might. You know, this is not talking about being, you know, just just a stronger person than everybody else. A lot of times we say, well, that's a strong believer. I'm a weak believer. That's a strong believer. But if you really let this verse become real to you, we'd all be strong believers. Because he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Not your might, but His might. So the question we need to ask ourselves in every situation is, is God strong enough for this? Yes. Wow. Quit being a wimp and just ask yourself, is God strong enough for this? Yes. Anytime you face a situation that seems impossible or seems possible, it just seems really hard. Sometimes we like impossible things because impossible things are just so out there that 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 we can at least just Pray about them and and get excited. But sometimes it's the possible things that are hard that really intimidate us. Because we know that we could do it. It's just not going to be easy. But you know what he says. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So the question you always need to ask yourself is, is God strong enough for this? Is He mighty enough for this? What I'm praying about is God strong enough. Is He strong enough for this? Because I'm not strong in my own strength. I'm strong in his might. That's where your source is coming from. That's your fuel tank. Is his fuel tank. So if you think you're going to run out of gas, you're, you're running off the wrong fuel tank. We used to have a, an old Ford Econoline. That had, did that one have two gas tanks? Yeah, it did. I remember that. We'd be driving to Texas. Uh, it's my grandmothers used to live in Texarkana. One on Texas side, one on the Arkansas side. So we'd go visit them. And... You know, I remember <laughs> about peeking at the gas tank going, we're getting low. This doesn't look good. My dad and my mom were marathon drivers. That, that Ford Econoline was, in its day, was a nice van. I mean, there's probably some dogs living in it now. We don't have it anymore, but, you know, <laughs> it's just what I assume, right? There's dogs. But when we had it, you know, it had curtains. It had a table. Like, it had a table, in a van. It had a table. And we would just sit, I mean, our, Liberty and I would be in these captain's chairs and we'd swivel around, you know. They were called captain's chairs and we called them captain's chairs because that's what we were, captains. And so, it had a couch at the back. This is what I thought was the coolest thing. A couch turned into a bed. It had blinds. It had valance lights going around. I mean, come on, you could have had a party in this thing. Probably a lot of people did. We, we weren't that kind of people. But anyways, we'd, we'd drive down to, to Texarkana, and like mom and dad would just switch drivers. We, Liberty and I would just sleep in, in our, uh, we'd, we'd sleep in our seats, or we'd go, and, and you know, if one of us was tired, that, you know, that back thing turned into a bed, and we just, we'd sleep, and we'd go for like a couple of days, not stopping except for gas and food. And uh, I remember looking at times, and looking at that gas tank, and go, oh, we're getting low. We're getting low, and then dad would just switch the tank, boom, we got full tank again. Well, this is nice. And I remember thinking, this is just magic. This was sort of the same as a kid. It's the same sort of thought when you see your parents write a check. You're like, you can write on a piece of paper and people give you money? That's awesome. Let's do it all the time. I told you guys this before, but I, I asked my mom, why don't we just write ourselves checks? I don't, we're missing a big piece of the puzzle. I thought I was the financial genius that finally cracked the code. <laughs> Nobody's figured this out, but if you write yourself a check, they'll give you money. You know you just switch that thing and we, are, we have a full tank of gas. I don't know why we keep stopping at Exxon. All we got to do is switch this thing full tank again. Boom. Well, it was because we had two tanks. And you've got two tanks in your own life. You've got your tank and you've got God's tank. Some people will tell you when your strength goes weary, when you grow tired. Yeah, you need to get that out. Oh, y'all aren't hearing me. Now, When you grow weary, when you get tired and your strength is about to run out, then you call on the name of the Lord and he comes and his strength is there for you. But can I tell you something? Let me give you a secret. Don't wait till your strength runs out. Just use his to start with. Don't don't, don't start with yours and then use his. That's like, I mean, come on. That doesn't make any sense. You got to just use his. He's got his strength available to you all the time. He's not your emergency backup. He's meant to be your full source yeah, right. at all times. So we don't just pray, God, you got to help me when your money starts to run out. You should have been pro- relying on God as your source from the start. You don't just say, God, you've got to help me when your strength's going to run out. He's always meant to be your strength. That's, right. yeah. That's where life comes from. So we don't just wait till we get tired. And I'm about to give up. Oh, thank God. That's why he brought me so low so that I'd finally begin to rely on his strength. You know what? Just rely on it to start with. He is our strength. He is our life. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. If you've got to say this to yourself, if you've got to say it to your friends, be strong in the Lord. I just feel like giving up. Be strong. Well, I just can't do it. Be strong. Until they get mad at you and slap you. Just quit saying the same thing over and over again. God was good enough to give me a good wife that'll preach back to me what I've preached. We all need people in our life that'll preach back to us what we've preached to them. And you've got to be humble enough and gracious enough that you don't get mad at them and go, I know that already. As men, that's sometimes tough, right? I know that already. Be humble and say, I needed to hear that. God doesn't just tell you things that you've never heard before. God speaks to you things you don't believe like you should believe them. That's why we keep reading the Bible. So it says, be strong in the Lord and in the power and strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. This is going to get where we're going to just take this real practically because a lot of times people look at the full armor of God and they go, I don't know how to put it on, but I just know. And when I wake up in the morning, you know, I wake up in the morning, I just go, whew. And I just feel like I got the full armor of God on. That's nice. And if you need to do that as a visual, that's cool. And I don't have a problem with that. But putting on the full armor of God is about living out the word daily. It's not about going through some ritual where somebody puts the armor on you. It's not just about getting born again because he's talking to believers here and he's telling them to put something on. So you're not just always having this armor on. It's not just automatically on. He says put it on. Believers, put it on. An unbeliever can't put this stuff on. doesn't have it. But he says, believers, put this on. Now, there are other places in the, in the scripture he says, put on Christ. He says, adorn yourself with your doctrine. He says, put on the new self. All through the scripture, there are things you need to take off, and there's things you need to put on. And as believers, we just sometimes wish that God would just do this for us, but he's given the armor to you. He says, not just put it on. Notice he says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able. So if you have the armor on, you will be able. I'm not a title guy. I know some people are, and I like it about them. I've got friends that preach, and they've got snazzy titles that could sell like at Walmart. You know, they're just really, really, really cool rhyming titles, catchy titles, playing off a movie title, you know, I'm not a title guy. Ask Barry. Where's Barry? Barry's right here. Ask Barry. He comes up to me. You got a title for me? And I just like, I don't do a very good Barry impersonation, but he, he says, do you have a title for me? And I sit there for 10 minutes going, um, what do you think it should be called? Like, I, I'm not a title guy. But if I were a title guy, you will be able to are four words that I think define this section of Scripture. It's probably going to define what we're talking about this morning. You will be able. There's no doubt in that statement. There's no half. Could happen, might not happen. It is a simple truth. It's a simple statement. If you put the armor on, you will be able. You will be able. Am I able? You will be able. Can I do it? You can. You will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. You know, the devil is a schemer. And just because you got born again didn't mean he stopped scheming. In fact, he probably stepped up his game. But do you know he's stripped of all power and authority over you? Mm -hmm. Jesus stripped him of authority. You've got to get that in your head. He has been stripped of his authority. Any authority he tries to wield is now just through lies, yeah. tries to convince you that this is the truth, tries to weaken you with stuff that you, that you don't have to listen to, you don't have to submit to. The Bible says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you, he'll run away from you. Some I mean, at times, we give so much credence to, to the devil and evil spirits, we make it like they're just, you know, they're just the biggest thing we've ever seen and, and we're terrified of them. Come on, don't be terrified. You've got the name of Jesus. You're his kids. Jesus Jesus really embarrassed the devil, really embarrassed him. He says made a show of him openly. He walked him around completely powerless. Do you know any power he has over people that haven't submitted themselves to God? Or if it has any power in believer's life, he's manipulating you. And if you just stand up to him and submit yourself to God, he has no authority in your life. No authority. Don't give him so much glory and credit. He's got none. It says, put it on and you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So whatever he's planned for you won't succeed as long as you're standing firm with that armor on. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That means people aren't our problem. And I know we wish sometimes that we could just think of them as our problem, that I could pray against this person, that I could just pray they get knocked down in the street and, you know, maybe just uh, take a rest for a little bit. But people aren't our problem. Sometimes we just want that Old Testament anointing to come on us and just, you know, as David said. Through my God, I could run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. Sometimes we just want that. Can I run through a troop and can I bash them on the head as I go by? I mean, these guys, Lord, would you give me an anointing to just, just, just whoop them up like David did to Goliath or something like that? But If you walk around with a slingshot trying to hit people in the forehead, you will be arrested. And an angel's not going to show up to break you out of jail like he did for Peter. <laughs> I can promise you that. Because our real struggle is not against people. And you may say, yes, it is. You have not met this person. My struggle is against this person. (laughs) Very real. It's not against flesh and blood because everything, you're always submitting to some sort of force, some sort of um, idea out there. The Bible says... That before you got born again, you were walking a course. It says it was a course of the world. And it says that course, that road, that path that you were on was according, it was planned out by the prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air is just a fancy way of saying Satan himself. In other words, the world is living according to a plan and it's not God's plan. The world's being manipulated. The Bible says the God of this world has blinded their eyes that they, that of them that don't believe so that they wouldn't believe. He's blinded their eyes so they don't see the truth. Your battle's not against people, it's against all those other stuff behind the people, against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Everybody know what heavenly places are. When we think of heaven, we think of a happy place, right? This does not sound like a happy place. It's forces of wickedness and wickedness and darkness and rulers and powers. This is not talking about heaven. It's talking about heavenly places, which means it, it's what you can't see. It's going on all around us. It's in, it's in the air. You can't see it, but there's a battle going on. I know you say, oh, I thought I'd come to church and here's something real. You guys are a bunch of flakes. No, this is for real. There's a, there's a world you can't see. There's a God you can't see. There's a devil you can't see. Don't you think there's other things you can't see? There's Angels, there's demons, there's all these things. It says that our force, our, power, our struggle is not against people, but about, against these guys. There's powers. There's rulers. There's world forces of this darkness. There's spiritual forces of wickedness. And they're all in a realm that you can't see. Now, that'll freak a lot of people out. (laughs) We like things we can see. We can fight things we can see. You want to freak out a girl? Anybody? If you do, you just tell them there's little bugs everywhere. Worst thing you can ever say to your wife is, actually, did you know? And, ev- and in the average comforter, there's a bunch of little bugs crawling around all the time in your bed. You just never see them. They're on your skin. Worst thing you could ever say to your wife, don't say it. It's the dumbest thing you'll ever say because now you're going to have to stay up all night while she does laundry. <laughs> we don't like things we can't see. We like things we can see. And so sometimes we get freaked out that there's a fight going on that we can't see. But you know what? The Bible says that because you've been given the spirit of God, he's a spirit of truth, and he will lead and guide you in all truth. He'll show you things you don't see. He'll tell you things you don't know. That you have a, you have a, The Bible says that your eyes of your heart would be enlightened. And so there's, there's something on the inside of you that knows about this. There's a spiritual realm, and the more you think spiritually, the more you know about it. But don't think about this so spiritually that you can't enacted in the real world. That you can't get into the real world and see change happen. That you just think, well, this is just, I, I don't know what's going on so I'm just going to let the battle go on around me. You've got a part to play. That's right. Wise man said to me, I was, I was talking about you know, talking things through and I said, you know, I think we just need to talk this through. And he said, you know, sometimes, sometimes you just can't talk everything through. Sometimes you just got to pray it There are things you can't talk it out, things you can talk till the sun goes down, and they won't get any better until you get on your knees and pray. There are battles that are meant to be fought in prayer. There's battles that are meant to be fought in in a a place, a quiet place, where you can pray and pray in the Spirit. But a lot of these battles, can I be honest with you, if we're going to read this properly, a lot of these battles, yes, they happen in prayer, but a lot of them happen as you're walking to work. As you're in work, as you're in act, you know, talking with your family, as you're raising your kids, a lot of these battles are happening right there. Yes. Yes. You can go off and you can you know, say, well, I just need time to pray. But, you know, I don't think your kids are always going to let you do that. Jesus, when the disciples couldn't cast out an evil spirit, he, said, he, he came and He cast it out and He said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. We say, well, how did you do it, Jesus. You just cast it out. You didn't pray and fast. Yes, he did. He just didn't pray and fast when the problem showed up. He was already prayed up and fasted up. He was built up so that he could cast that evil spirit out. You need to be built up so that that that, that spirit inside you is so strong and so mighty that at the right time, the right thing comes out, that at the right situation, you know what to do. You're strong enough to do it. You're bold enough to do it. You've got a spine and a backbone, and you're just going to do what the Lord said. Got to be prayed up. You can't go to every situation and go, can you please excuse me? i got to go pray. You know, people aren't going to let you do that. Your boss says, you know, I'm going to move you to this office. (laughs) Can you give me a minute? No, I can't give you a minute. You need to make up your mind right now. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Can you just let me go in the closet? I have to go to the bathroom. You can't do that. You need to be prayed up. Built up so that you're ready. Because this, this whole thing, People read this section and they think this just makes us all a bunch of people that just don't do anything in the real world, that we just stay in in a room somewhere fighting a battle. But you know, as well as I do, most of these battles are fought in life by the Spirit, by the force that God's given you, but they're fought as you love, as you speak, as you walk, as you talk. These battles are being waged as you forgive when you don't think you should forgive. As you love the people you don't think you should love. As you talk like you didn't think you could talk. Battles are being fought and won. It says this. Therefore, because you're fighting a battle, take up the full armor of God. There he goes again. Take it up. Before he said put it on. Now he says pick it up. So that you will be able. Did you recognize we've heard that before? Do you hear that again? So that you will be able, you will be able to resist in the evil day. I've said this before, but the evil day, as best as I can think of it, it's a bad day. It's a really bad day, right? The evil day. Can we imagine what the evil day looks like? And we're not talking about the evil day like some apocalypse thing where where just, you know, everything rains down and the world's about to end. The evil day is very real. There's plenty of times in your life, and this is not just talking about a 24-hour period. This is seasons. Do you ever feel like there's certain seasons in life where everything seems to go wrong at once, where everybody seems to collapse at once, where everything seems to come at you at once? Have you ever noticed that the attacks aren't so evenly spread out? I want them to be. You may not know it, but when you're pastoring, there will be seasons of calm, and then there will be a week where everybody calls you, and I don't mind calls, but it's like everybody calls you and the world is ending. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? I heard this. Oh, you don't know what's going on, you know, and it's like, we were doing fine last week. What happened? And it all happens at once. There's going to be times in your life, don't think, I mean, we have a real enemy, And if you were fighting a battle, you wouldn't evenly space out your. soul. just go, okay, now we're going to send one guy. Like in those old martial arts movies. Do you ever notice, like an old Jackie Chan movie, where people are coming at him one at a time, and everybody's just standing around like, I can't wait for my turn, you know? You know, and they just come. (laughs) There's a guy that's got a gun, but he's not using it. You know, like, okay. As soon as this guy's done with him, I'm going to take a shot. You know, where in real life, That doesn't happen. In real life, not everybody stands around politely and goes, one at a time, boys, one at a time. They go, oh, there's only one of him, and he's really good. There's 10 of us. It doesn't matter how good he is. There's 10 of us at once. You know, the real real enemy attacks the same way. Plenty of times in your life, you'll notice there are seasons of life. There are weeks, there are days where it seems like everything goes wrong. And you think, how can my faith withhold me in this time? How can it, how, withhold me, uphold me I mean. How can it keep me in this time? And it can. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the strength of his might. It says take up the full armor of God so that you will be able. You will be able. And If you need, if you need to write that on a piece of paper, write it on your mirror, I don't care what you have to do, remember this, you will be able to stand. And to resist in the evil day. The day when everything goes wrong. The season when everything comes at you. When you're going to more funerals than weddings. You'll be able to resist. And having done everything to stand firm, stand. You've done everything, stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. You go, what in the world does that mean, gird my loins with truth? You know, the Apostle Paul here uses a very Roman style of armor to describe this to us. And there's probably a real reason for that. Not only was God using it as an example for them, because that was in the time they lived, right? Those were the soldiers that were walking around, were Roman soldiers dressed like this. Sometimes they'd be dressed differently for battle than they would be for police duty, basically. But... You know, this is the basic armor. And the Apostle Paul, while he's writing this letter, is most likely being guarded by one of these guys. Can you imagine God giving you this revelation? And you're like looking at the guard going, ah. And the guard's like, what are you looking at me weird for? Come on, man, quit it. And you're writing it down. I just want to see what you're wearing, you know. Oh, man, you're creeping me out. But the guard would stand there guarding Paul. And I imagine God showing him. God's writing this as just as that man's standing right there. And he's got this belt on. That keeps his pants from falling down, and that's a good thing. You guys don't think it's a good thing. It's a good thing that you've got a belt on. Before the Romans, uh, in the Eastern style of fighting, if you look to the, how the Jews fought, you look how the Persians fought the Babylonians, they'd often wear these long, flowing garments. If they were going to fight, the Greeks they were going to fight, they, you know, even if they didn't go down their feet, if they were right here, if they were going to fight, you couldn't run and trip over your own garments. So, what you'd do is you'd gird your loins up, you'd tie them up here so that, so that your clothes would be out of your way. Any other time, you'd leave it down, but when you're about to go to battle, you tie it up so that you can run and not trip over something. Peter writes, therefore, in our Bible it says, be sober and vigilant, but In the original Greek, it says, gird up the loins of your mind. Get your mind ready to fight. I think in the New American sentence, it says prepare yourself for action. Gird up the loins of your mind. Here it says, keep your loins girded. Keep that belt on with truth. Truth will keep you from tripping up. Truth will keep you from being humiliated. In fact, here's the thing. And We're going to talk about truth. We're going to talk about righteousness. And there there are some Some real good things about truth and righteousness and faith. We know that that the truth, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. You know the truth, the truth will set you free. We know we're righteous, right? But here we're not just talking about something you got when you were born again. Because remember, he said, put this on. You're righteous because you're born again. So what does it mean when I put on the righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness? This means I let the righteousness of God that's in me through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, I let it come out into my life by a righteous lifestyle. Yes, come on. That when we're talking about truth, we're not just talking about abstract truth, we're talking about practical truth. Yes. I don't just know the truth, I live by the truth. Yes. I apply the truth. I walk in truth. Yes. This is the truth and I'm going to walk in it. I don't just know it because you guys know a lot of truth. You've got to walk in the truth. That's right. Come on. It's not just being educated. It's knowing the truth and walking in it. That's right. When he says put on the breastplate of righteousness, that breastplate being so important because it protects all your vital organs. You are righteous by the blood of Jesus. And when you put on that breastplate of righteousness, you say, I am righteous. Therefore, I will walk righteously. Can I tell you something? When the enemy sends a flaming dart of accusation against you, your words will go so far. Your lifestyle will say a lot more than your words could have ever done. If you've been living according to the light that you have, if you've been living according to the righteousness of God that's already in you, when they accuse you, no one will believe them. It will protect you. This is twofold, this breastplate of righteousness. It's the knowledge of our righteousness in Christ Jesus that wasn't by our own deeds but was by his. And it's living that righteousness out that makes it a guard for you. It protects your heart, your lungs, all that stuff. It's protection. It says in verse 15: Having shawled your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, how beautiful are the, are the feet of those who preach the gospel. Your shoes, your, your, your feet are girded or clothed or shod with that gospel of peace that you spread everywhere you go. Now you say it's a gospel of peace. Does that mean I go around telling people, calm down, have a, take a break, don't fight. You know, that's not what we're talking about. The Bible talks about the message of peace, the gospel being a message of peace because we're not talking about peace between each other, although that will come from this. The first, me, the first thing we're talking about when we talk about the gospel of peace is that Jesus, through the cross, has made peace with you and God. And that's the gospel of peace that we bring. Now, it just you know, just like he says in the scripture, now Christ has destroyed the enmity, he's nailed it to the cross, and he is our peace. He's broken down every barrier, he's broken down everyone. We spread that gospel, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This is very practical. You read this 50 times, and and it's real easy to say, well, the full armor of God. It's just a spiritual thing. But let's be practical with it. How are you going to put that belt of truth on? Where's that truth going to come from? Talk back to me here. Where's the truth going to come from? The word of God's great, isn't it? The word of God is a source; is our source for truth. The Holy Spirit is our source for truth, and the Holy Spirit and the Word always agree. Yes. You think you heard something from the Holy Spirit and doesn't match up with the Word? You didn't hear something from the Holy Spirit. So, in all these things, let's just step out of the mystical realm and be practical. How are you going to put that belt of truth on? You're going to know the truth and you're going to walk that truth out. You're going to live by, the The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. You're going to let Him lead you, you're going to let Him guide you, and you're going to live up to the truth, you know and the truth you have. How are you going to put on the breastplate of righteousness? You're going to know first and foremost you're righteous by the blood of Jesus. Then you're going to act like someone who's righteous. You're going to talk like somebody's who's righteous. You're going to pray like someone who's righteous. How are we going to put those gospel shoes on? Preach the word. Go, spread the gospel. That's the reason they're on their, your feet. Go, you're taking the battle to the enemy's camp when you spread the gospel. And he says this in verse 16. He says, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which, can somebody tell me what it says next? You will be able. Notice that pops up three times in this section. You will be able to stand. You will be able to resist. And you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. You will be able to resist in the evil day. And you will be able to extinguish all of his fiery darts. Do you realize that he's speaking of nothing but total victory? Not partial victories, not pyrrhic victories, but total victories. You'll be able to stand, not get knocked down, not get knocked back, not, go, not have to take steps backwards. You'll be able to resist, and you'll be able to extinguish every single fiery dart. Man, can you imagine a life where even the worst day you've ever had doesn't knock you back spiritually, doesn't knock you back energy-wise even one bit. To me, standing firm, you might not be moving forward. There are times, there are times where things are coming at you so fast, you just have to stand and then counter But you stand, and you don't have to take steps back. You have to say, I, don't, I need a break, I need to... I need to Uh, Just take a little time off. No, no, no. You'll be able to stand firm and not lose any ground. You'll be able to resist. And you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming darts of evil. Flaming darts are attacks from the enemy. They come in forms of thoughts. They come in forms of people. They come in forms of sickness. These these attacks on your life are meant to keep you from fighting, are meant to get you out of the game. They're meant to wound you at times. Have you ever met a wounded Christian? This is a Christian who's fought. This is a Christian who's, who's been a good soldier, but they've been wounded, and if they don't get that thing healed, it'll get infected and spread elsewhere. You may think, oh, no, this is just one area of my life. I just, this is an area, have you ever said this? This is an area I have problems with. I'm good with all this other stuff. This is an area I struggle with. Quit it. Or this is an area, I, I, have, I, I can believe that. I have trouble believing this. If you've taught your heart, if you've taught your brain that there is something in the word you can't believe, if there's something, if there's a part in your life that God, I know his word, but I'm going to do something different, don't think that that'll be isolated and quarantined to that part of your life. Right. A little disobedience in one part of your life will teach your heart, will teach your soul, will teach everything about it that, that if I can do it there, I can do it here. If I can do it here, I can do it there. It will spread. A little yeast works its way throughout the whole dough. You've got to be radical about this. Now, I want to tell you, if you're intimidated this morning and go, "They're really talking spiritual here," I want to tell you, wherever you are in this walk, as long as you're walking the same direction as me, we're going good. I'm going to cheer you on. I'm going to help you. Mm -hmm. Don't ever, don't ever look down on yourself because you're just not at the same place spiritually. Because remember, he said, "Be strong in the Lord." Your strength comes from the Lord. you got the same source that I have. you got the same source that anybody here has. Don't be intimidated. But if you say, I haven't, I haven't, um, my whole life isn't perfect. Can I tell you nobody's is? Nobody's life is perfect. Nobody's got this all figured out. But you know what? you just got to do your best to apply the Word of God, to listen to the Holy Spirit and be obedient to God. Walk it out. Do you know God didn't change everything in you the moment you got born again? You didn't suddenly become this totally, you did become a new person. You did become different, but not everything in your life was instantly changed. There were things you had to let God change and change this and change that. And He didn't approach you at at the same time with everything you've done wrong and you're doing wrong. Can you imagine how you would have reacted to that? God gave you a list of saying, this is everything you're not doing right you would have collapsed. You would have just said, oh, I give up. I've got no hope. God is so good and so faithful, he will take you step by step through it. Yes. Amen. So this is why it's so important that we don't rush to judgment about people because sometimes there are things that we see, oh, that, that's wrong. They should be doing something different. There's some, sometimes it's God that's working on them piece by piece and he's going to get to that. There are other times he's already tried to get to that, but they've resisted him. There's a difference, and you've got to know that difference. But here he says, you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Every attack the enemy throws at you, you'll be able to extinguish them. How? Because it's so, once again, this is a section of Scripture that we just skim over. We love it, but we really don't think about applying it so much. Maybe you do, and this is just me. Let's be, let's be completely honest How do we extinguish every flaming arrow of evil one? The shield of faith. What is faith? Faith is complete reliance on God. Faith is complete reliance on His promises and belief that if He said it, it will happen. If He is, if He's my strength, if He's my source, if He's my rock, if He's my shield, what have I to fear? When you get attacked with thoughts, When you get attacked with things that people say or uh, or things that come up in your life, the way you extinguish those thoughts, the way you extinguish those attacks is by complete faith in God and saying, you know what? This is big, but nothing is bigger than God. This is big. Giants are big. Forts are big. But nothing is bigger than God. There's not a name that's named on this planet. There's not a name of a sickness not a name of a person, not a name of a nation, not a name of anything that's higher than the name of Jesus. Have faith. What did Jesus say so many times to the disciples? Where did your faith go? Why is your faith so little? Have faith. Have faith. When they started to see that the storm was getting crazy and they were going to die and Jesus is just sleeping in the boat. They wake him up and say, Master, don't you care that we perish? He gets up and goes, what happened to your faith? See, if you believed me, you could have been so relaxed too. I told you to go to the other side. You could have told the storm to shut up, and it would have. Have faith. That shield of faith is a shield. I don't mean to be (laughs) redundant, but the shield is a shield. It'll protect you. It'll quench every dart. Do you see here that there's nothing that can attack a believer that you can't stand against? There's not a battle you can't win. Amen. God has not called you to a, a land of roses and unicorns and rainbows where everything just goes nicely and you drink from the chocolate fountain and, and, and you just go, man, I'm glad I got born again. I never, I never have a problem again in my life. No, we, we were born into strife. We were born into battle. We were born into a time of war. But you can win. Yes. Yes. You can win. God's not taking you away from the battle, but He is giving you victory. Amen? Let's read the rest of this. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That salvation, that knowledge of His salvation that keeps your mind from doubting, from being afraid, from falling back into fear because you know that He is your salvation. You know that you're saved. You're saved by the blood of the Lamb. You know that He's got you. That helmet of salvation is a powerful thing. But then we talk about the sword. Have you noticed everything up to this point was very defensive? Everything we've talked about now, everything we talked about up to this point has been to defend you against the attacks of the enemy. But God has not called us to be a defensive people. God's not talked not called us to be a reactive people. God has called us to go and get the lost. And Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. If That sounds like a Navy SEAL talking. I've come to seek and to save. To find them and rescue them. Jesus said to Peter, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. He says, the gates. Can you imagine? Do you think the devil's... You know, do you think that the enemy's bringing his gates to your walls and going, ha-ha, we're bringing our gates to you? No, it doesn't happen. The gates of hell are in one location. If he's just attacking you, his gates are way over there. If the gates of hell aren't prevailing against the church, it's not the enemy that's moving, it's the church that's moving. We're going and attacking them. You say attacking them who? Remember, our struggle is not against people. Struggles not against political parties. Right. Our struggle is not against a group of any sort. Yes, sir. Our struggle is against the enemy. Yes. God so loved the world. And if, if God loved the world enough to send his son, he loved them enough to send us into that same place. Put us in the middle of darkness as lights shining. He says, I've given you all the defensive equipment you need. Notice he didn't give you any armor for your back not supposed to run away. <laughs> they didn't give you any rear-end armor. That's right. This is all in the front. <laughs> You're meant to stand, resist, take ground. Gave you a sword. Gave you a sword. What's that sword for? If you've been watching a lot of uh, Zorro movies, <laughs> anybody? Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> don't know how to live. No, I'm just kidding. If you've been watching a lot of Zorro movies or the old, you know, they they liked, you know, three musketeers or something. Um, you know, these movies like to show a big sword fight and they're like ching 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 ching. But that wasn't the Roman method of warfare that Paul was describing. Not that God is a Roman, but this this was the analogy he used. Uh, you know, if you saw a Roman or, you know, a a Greek in a phalanx formation. These guys weren't fighting, you know, ching, 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 arm behind their back, sword clashing and clashing. I mean, they were using their shield to stop the sword attacks from the, the other guy. They'd use their shield to maybe knock him back, and then that sword would be used to plunge. That sword would be used to hack. It wasn't it wasn't sword to sword as much as you see in movies. And so That sword is not, when we're talking about it here, it's not really a defensive weapon. It's an offensive weapon. It's meant to attack. You watch what Jesus did. If you want to know what an evil day looks like, look at Jesus being tempted in the wilderness for 40 days without food. In the wilderness. And and he's like the devil's pet project. You're not special enough to get the treatment Jesus got. You may think you are. But the, Satan's not going to spend 40 days just working on you. No, he's not. Did you know he's not omnipresent? That's right. He can't be everywhere at once. No, he he's got little little demons at work for him. They can't be everywhere at once. They can run around planting seeds here, doing this, here, here, this. But he can't be everywhere. The only omnipresent being is God. Yes. The Holy Spirit's everywhere. Yes. The devil's not devil can't spend 40 days just working on you. Now, he may assign a little underling to you, a little apprentice to you. But Jesus took 40 days of hammering. It says he was tempted in all things. Did you know that Jesus was tempted with lust? You say, no, he wasn't. He couldn't have possibly. He was. It's not a sin to be tempted, guys. It's a sin to entertain that. Send to make a home for it. Nurse it. Let it grow up. It's not a, it's, you get. You'll have thoughts pop in your mind that didn't come from you. Put them down. Don't make a home for them. Don't start fantasizing. Put them down. Right. Jesus was tempted with every single thing. He was tempted with greed. He was tempted with lying. He was tempted with power. He was tempted with everything you've ever been tempted with. You say no, he wasn't. Because Jesus didn't have the internet. Do you know everything, every sin that's out there now has a root in some basic primal sin? And everything that has that root, he was tempted with all those things. And yet without sin. But watch what he did when he was tempted. That thing didn't penetrate his armor. But what did he do immediately after he's tempted? You know, if you, I, mean, I know, God, ladies, please forgive me. I'm being. This is a very militaristic section of scripture. And if you're like, ah, why can't we use a different example? Maybe some of you like the military stuff. I don't know. But uh, please forgive the fact that we're using a lot of military stuff today. I hope that's okay with you. But if you have ever seen somebody fight, whether they're boxing or, or a reenactment of an actual fight, one of the best things you can do is when the other guy's on the attack, you stand firm. And then when he's done, you, you fend off his attack. And when he's done, you counter strike. And that's when he's at his weakest. You saw Jesus do this. The the enemy came and attacked him with something. And the enemy used the word. But it wasn't the word of God. He was quoting the Bible. But do you know what? In order for it to be the word of God, it's got to have the spirit of God on it. This Bible is the word of God. But not unless it's in the mouth of a believer. Not unless it's, it's, it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the word of God can be the word of God to an unbeliever. But it's the Holy Spirit speaking through it. You know, you can dead quote this like a religious person and just quote it without any power, and it won't have any power. But if you believe it and let the Holy Spirit rest on those words, it's the word of God. Yeah. Jesus didn't even take, lose any ground when the enemy attacked him. Then he struck. It is written. Man will not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written. It is written. You shall shall love the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. It is written, do not test the Lord your God. He fought off the temptation. He took that blow, and he counterstruck with the word of God. The enemy was thoroughly beaten. This is very practical for you. You may not think this is practical, but I'm going to tell you, your sword is the word of God. Speaking, it's not just a random verse that you come up with. He's always got the word for the time. He's got a word for that moment. He's got a word for that situation. This word's always accurate. It's always good. It's always in season. He says this. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. famous preacher once said, somebody asked him, how often do you pray? How long do you pray? I'm sorry. He said, I never pray more than five minutes, but I never go five minutes without praying. Prayer is a conversation. You can pray for a long time, but I guarantee, and I encourage you, no matter how long you spent in your room praying, that's a good thing. I I believe in that. But no no matter how long you spent in your room praying. Don't hang up the phone when you walk out the door. Keep the line open. Keep the conversation open. If you look like a weirdo in the grocery store muttering to yourself, that's okay. There are a lot bigger weirdos in the grocery store. (laughs) Pray at all times in the spirit. Be aware. Be on the alert. With all perseverance and petition for all the saints. That means we think this battle is just about us, but it's not. Your battle is on behalf of you, but it says be on Be alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Lift them up. Help them out. When they're weak, be strong in the Lord. Encourage them. Pray for them. Build them up. The number one thing you've got to walk away from this morning remembering is those four words, you will be able. You will be able. To stand firm. You will be able to resist. You will be able to quench every fiery dart of the evil one. You will be able. Don't ever say again, I'm not able to fight this. I'm not able to stop. My faith isn't strong enough. I'm not strong enough. You will be able with every tool that he's given you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that we're able? Do you believe that you're able? Do you believe that he's able? Because that's the real question. Is God able? Is he strong enough for this? Is he strong enough? If he's strong enough, I'm strong enough. Yes. Is he able and is he faithful? And the answer is always yes and yes. 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 He's able, he's faithful, so I'm strong. I can do it because I am no longer, as Paul said, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Yes. He's able, I'm able. If yes. he's strong enough, I'm strong enough, because I'm not strong in my own strength. I'm strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You will be able. There's no, there's no room for defeat there. There's no chance that it doesn't come true. It doesn't say you might be able, you should be able, you could be able, you will be able. Let's not live in this fantasy land, guys, where we read this chapter and we just picture, you know, some cloud warfare that's going on all the time. There are battles you don't know about, but it's going to come out in regular life. It's going to come out the next conversation you have. It's going to come out the next time somebody wrongs you and you want to take revenge. It's going to come out the next time you have an opportunity to do something when no one's looking that's not exactly honest. It's going to come out when sickness strikes your home. It's going to come out when somebody speaks against you things that aren't true. That's when you need the armor of God. It's going to come out next time you're tempted. It's going to come out next time It's time to spread the gospel. Remember, this isn't just a defensive section. It's not just about what the devil is doing to you. It's about us advancing the kingdom. Thank God. Guys, if this was just all about the enemy not taking over the church, then this would have been a section about how big the fort was. So just being like, don't worry, the walls are big, no one will ever come in. And honestly, as Christians, this is sometimes the way we act. Keep them out. Keep it out. I like the church the way it is. Let's keep it out. Keep them out. Keep them out. Youth group, keep just, just keep them from getting drunk and sleeping around. Just keep them from getting, no. Don't you believe in more than that? It's not defensive. It's, it's going out. It's advancing the kingdom. It's seeing the lost saved. It's seeing... It's seeing Jesus' words and life and resurrection power come to life around us. It's about the Holy Spirit having its way, not just in churches, but through the church. Thank God. Jesus didn't say, He didn't really focus on the lost and the broken and the messed up people coming to church. He sent the church to the lost and the messed up broken people. He didn't bring them to the church, although, thank God, there's a time. They'll come here too. But he first sent the church to them. Jesus said, come to me, all you weary, heavy burden laden down, right? He said, come to me. But what did he do? He went out into the villages where they lived and said, come to me. He went to the wells where they got water and said, come to me.